0: Welcome to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we we're all superstars. Good morning everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me here again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald. I'm the host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. I am joined, rejoined here by a phenomenal guest, somebody who I had the pleasure and the honor and the privilege of having me once before join us here on radio. This is Bob McGrath. So I'm just going to plug a little bit about Bob before I turn it over, as I always do to unscripted dialogue. So as one of the original hosts on Sesame Street and an independent children's recording artist and performer, Bob has received countless awards and honors over the years. He was inducted into the Silver Circle of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, received the American Eagle Award by the National Music Council, and was given the Fame Award by the National Association of Music Educators for furthering the cause of music education. Bob has also authored eight books. So, Bob, I want to welcome you back to Living Fearlessly. How are you since we last spoke, my friend?
1: I'm terrific, Lisa. How are you?
0: I'm doing really, really well. Thanks.
1: life, Life is good.
0: Awesome. Well, not surprising to hear that. That's your take on things. There's been a lot of changes going on for you since we last spoke,
1: and yes, there uh,
0: I want to I want to congratulate you on your move. It looks like there's a lot of things going on in your life personally as well. So good stuff yep. all around. Yeah, we found
1: that. Well, we had a, a four level house that we've had since nine, over 50 years in Teaneck, New Jersey, and we moved about 20 minutes north in a town called Norwood and fortunately it's only five minutes from where my oldest daughter, Lily, lives, so that's kind of nice. My other daughter is only ten minutes away, so we're surrounded by family there, and moved from a four-level with a lot of stairs to a uh, an old 90s ranch that had been uh, extended, and it has a nice backyard, and right now all the rhododendrons and everything are in full bloom. I feel like I'm living in a greenhouse with a lot of big windows, so... It's uh, yeah. I I grew up on a farm as you may or may not remember, and I love gardening. So it's really my wife and I are just really loving it.
0: Well, fantastic. I'm really, really yeah. happy for you, Bob. So, of course, when we last went live, there were things that we couldn't talk about just because of the timing mm-hmm. of things and and contract issues and negotiations and
1: exactly. uh, just some
0: things that were going on. So, you know, we we honored not talking about Sesame Street at that point, but talked about all the other phenomenal things that you've endeavored to do and are very passionate about in your life. And mm-hmm. I'm very gracious to you that you voluntarily came back to have part two of our discussion to talk more openly about what's transpired since the timing of uh no longer renewing the contract with Sesame Street. So feel right. free to talk freely about what's happened since then, uh what Sesame Street has welcomed you back to be a part of currently, which is lovely given that you're, you know, one of the original cast members and, and certainly an ambassador for Sesame Street. So take it away, Bob.
1: <laughs> well, they've let us know that there was uh, it was sort of an awkward transition because they were so busy that I'm speaking on behalf of the workshop. Uh, it caused quite a stir in the way it actually came out, but they were very <clears throat> busy uh, uh, creating a brand-new half-hour show <clears throat> from a one-hour uh, show, and that was sort of their prime focus, and I think they could have... Uh, presented the fact that they were letting all of the original cast, with the exception of Alan and Chris Noling, uh, stay with the show for several reasons, and several very good reasons. First of all, uh, it was decided that it had to go from a one-hour to a half-hour show, and so it made n- it necessary to reduce the number of Muppets and the number of cast members because the humans are only on the first ten minutes of that 30-minute show, and with the large number of casts, we had eight or nine plus hundreds of Muppets, just didn't fit into the format. So that was one of the main reasons. There were financial reasons also uh, because of the change of <clears throat> folks not buying uh, DVDs. So there was some major loss of revenue on the part of Sesame Street. But HBO sort of came to the rescue, and uh, they provided enough money to, to produce another, I think, 35 or 40 episodes that would not have been in the schedule for Sesame Street with their budgeting. We started off in 1969 with 130 shows, and I think we were down to around 35 or 40 uh, budget-wise uh, by the time a year or two ago that HBO came in and uh, helped us out.
0: So why don't you HBO has
1: nothing little- to... Do with the has nothing to do with the format or the programming of the show. They just provide that. But in the meantime, uh, following up and they are have welcomed us back. They said they want us to know that we'll always be a part of the family and that we are uh, important quote iconic ambassadors of Sesame Street. And they're excited for everyone in the original cast to be active members uh, as a part of the Sesame Street's upcoming 50th anniversary programming and celebration. Uh, we might act as ambassadors and be involved in some of the productions, not on the television, but for the 50th anniversary. So uh, we're all very excited about that, and we've had a few really wonderful meetings with uh, Jeff Dunn, our new CEO, and the rest of the cast members. So that's that's kind of where we stand now. We're all in, we're all on good, good, very good terms, and very happy to be continued as part of the long-term Sesame Street family.
0: Fantastic! And,
1: uh, yeah, so that's good news.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, go
1: ahead. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No,
0: no, you go ahead, Bob.
1: No, that, I, I, I want to take a breath and let you ask any questions because I can go off on the <laughs> r- r- directions for, for the next, if, if you've got a week, we probably have enough time to cover everything. A
0: week? <laughs> I could go for a year, Bob.
1: <laughs> okay. Now, the uh, the new season's coming up. I just got a little memo from the workshop, and season 47 is coming up in September. Uh, we're now airing season 46, and the 47th will debut on HBO, uh, and the focus is on, on kindness for children, and uh, they air first on HBO, and then after they have run their run there, then they go to PBS, so... We've never stopped uh, producing or showing, viewing shows on PBS, even with all of the transitions. It's just that the HBO audience will get these first 30 shows, and then immediately they will go right to PBS for for free viewing, of course. And uh, they said some of the new celebrities coming on for this coming season um, are Gwen Stefani, Sia, Otter McDonald, Bruno Mars, who's a great guy. He was He's been there before, and we had a wonderful show together some years ago. Uh, Dave Matthews at Sharan Sia, I think I mentioned Sia already, and Janelle Mon- Monet. So they've got a lot of great people coming in, and um, they start the PBS season in, 2000, in 2014. That's season 45. But um, things are, are going well. There's a lot of things happening with Sesame Street. Uh, for one thing besides the anniversary and so forth, they, well, uh, with the cast, first of all, I'll talk about something that we had a great time with. Uh, about a year ago, we formed a something called the Humans of Sesame Street <laughs> and that's where the four or five, six cast members all got together and we did a live presentation at the Museum of Movie Images, a wonderful museum right near where we taped Sesame Street out in Queens and uh, it was quite a quite a success, it was a kind of a Q&A, and they had fun film clips and uh, of various parts of the show, sometimes some wonderfully funny bloopers and so forth, and uh, then we had an MC, and he uh, he asked each of his individual questions, and then we had a Q&A from the audience, and then that was, was supposed to go like 45 minutes, it went about an hour and a half, and then they said if anyone wants to stick around to say meet and greet and sign autographs or take photos, well, no one left the auditorium. We were there another hour and a half just doing that. So we felt it, turned out really, really well, and we had great fun. And then uh, another up-to-date thing just about a week ago, uh, I don't know, do you guys have Comic Cons in Canada? Do you know what they are? Yes.
0: Yeah, we do.
1: Well, I've done a couple of them before, but this is the first time that about four or five of the members, uh, Gordon and Luis and Gina and... Uh, Carol Spinney, who is Big Bird, and Oscar the Grouch and myself, we uh, were invited to go to the uh, San Jose Silicon Valley Comic Con. They were expecting about 60,000 people over the three-day weekend, and they ended up with about 70,000 coming.
0: Wow. And
1: our host was was Steve Wozniak. Uh, He was hosting us, a wonderful guy. He and, as you recall, Steve Jobs uh, invented Apple. So there was a lot of tech things going on besides all of the <laughs> wild and the crazy things that people come in costume. Actually, I found that the, the visitors are much more interesting than all of the guests that are there uh, signing autographs and so forth because they come in every, all their favorite outlandish costumes and uh, whether they're you know dressed up as as wrestlers or a comic book character, whomever it's. It's quite a colorful event, and uh, so we had great fun doing that out there. And uh, So, uh, I don't know. Do you want to ask them? I, got, I can keep yeah. on talking, but why don't you yeah, ask I me a couple of questions can. if you wish.
0: I know you can. And see, this is why I love having guests like you on the show, because we're never at a loss for words, and I just love the synergy, I and I love the energy. And, and I'm, just, I'm just really happy to hear, you know, because... You know, when things happen as they did as a result of the disruption to the contract Uh and going in a different uh, direction for reasons uh, Uh now that we can talk about and are, are known, You know, it's really lovely to hear, given that the premise of all this is Sesame Street and what that show embodies in terms of spirit, in terms of kindness, in terms of learning and paying it forward and being of service. I'm really glad to hear, in terms of what you're sharing with us today, Bob, that, you know, there's no sour grapes, there's no bad taste left in the mouth, everyone's working amicably, everybody respects your contribution to the show. I mean, you know, you're part and parcel of that. There's no getting away from it. I mean, Mm -hmm. you were... You started on the first season. Uh, you went strong for what, forty five years and I think um, forty
1: five years. I sort of lost track at the end there because it all kinda of melted together, but it was about forty five years. But uh, so, no, it's it, well, it's one and I have to tell you, whenever the cast gets together like for any sort of an event whatsoever, we don't do it all that often, but we just have the most incredibly wonderful time together because you know, you hear a lot of shows saying well we're sort of like a family well, Sesame Street really is a family. It's not just sort of like one, and uh, we just have we have more laughs than you can possibly imagine. When, whenever we get together, we all seem to, you know, find funny stories that we want to tell each other and what's going on in our life. So,
0: it's, beautiful.
1: It's been the most incredible venture I think anyone ever could have uh, could have hoped for.
0: Absolutely. I mean, well, it's and uh,
1: there's another couple of another. I'm sorry, the one, I should have mentioned that one of the reasons they went from an hour to a half hour was because um, there was a great deal of focus on reaching pre-K children, in other words, anywhere from three and a half years old on up, because I don't know about Canada, but in the in the States, there have been hundreds of thousands of uh, pre-K classrooms opened up. I think in New York alone, uh, the mayor de Blasio, last, a year ago, he opened about 10,000 new classrooms and I think another five or 10,000 this year. He wants to be sure that every three-and-a-half-year-old has a classroom because we know the impact of starting children at a very early age uh, in school. So that was the main reason. And this, this request came from all of the principals and the teachers that that's what they really felt that uh, Sesame Street needed to have the, their focus on as opposed to just all the cognitive numbers, letters, shapes, et cetera, et cetera. They still do some of that, but the the socialization part is incredibly important in the show now. And they explain that, you know, a child coming from a a really uh, difficult inner, inner city situation, lifestyle, with sometimes just terrible family situations going on, it's, it's very very difficult for that three and a half year old to walk into a classroom with middle and upper income children that he's never had an he or she have never had an opportunity to associate with to know how to uh, know how to even have to start a conversation. So that's True. the main main focus uh, of the shows these these years. And we also, I think you probably have heard, we have a a, a new Muppet who yes. is uh, challenged. Have
0: you seen that or heard about that yet, Julia? Yeah, Julia, yes, and, Julia, the autistic, the autistic um, child. So yes, we, yes. We, we have heard that and, uh, you know, I, I couldn't be more happy to hear that because, I mean, when you talk about children and, and when you mm-hmm. look at what Sesame Street is always depicted and what it's embodied, you know, it's inclusion. Mm-hmm. And that yes. includes people from all cultures. It includes you know people from all walks of life and, as you mentioned, yes. socioeconomic demographics as well, and financial status. So you know, to hear that they're they're branching out to include people with uh, who are differently abled is fantastic mm-hmm.
1: we've always we've always done that to a degree, but uh, this is probably one of the most outstanding examples of that. We've always had children who might have been blind, who were deaf, who were in wheelchairs. Uh, they have, we've had those, you know, over the last 45 years at various times, but I think Julie's going to be a regular from now on. Uh, and, um, and they, I was just in Florida doing something and a teacher came up to me and, and then we heard tremendous feedback when we were out at this Comic Con in San Juan, San, San Jose. Uh, and this one teacher said, she has she had several children, she had a class that were all uh, autistic, and they watched the show together, and she said, you cannot imagine the impact that it had on those kids seeing a Muppet who is acting and having the same challenges as they. So yes, I think they really nice. hit on a major, major, it, it reminded me a little bit of something that we may have talked about before, but in Africa, one of our many, uh, third world or, or, or uh, countries that shows the the show, they have a Muppet there a, we've talked about, I think, called Kami, and she's HIV positive, which was kind of a breakthrough at that point, And she lets millions of children in the Africa area know that, uh, countries that, uh, you can't catch AIDS by just playing with someone who has, who is HIV positive. So, absolutely. Yeah, the show has, you know, a, a real, It's it has m- serious missions uh, to help children out in all kinds of ways. And their whole, with the military families, uh, they've done wonderful pieces on those also, helping kids who have mothers or moms and dads who are away but and serving have. the military. Absolutely. Well, and uh, oh, and, and one last, not last sure. thing. <laughs> There'll never be a last thing, but. This is something I just found out a couple of days ago. Uh, I don't know if you know that I've been involved with the Variety Children's Charity in Vancouver for about 35 years doing their telethons every year. I did decide to sort of t- toss my hat out of the ring uh, about a year ago because the traveling and so forth was um, a lot. But in any event, um, they have something, Sesame has something called Sesame Place Cares. It's a rather new initiative uh, with a wonderful social impact. And uh, they have uh, now a 30-year partnership with Variety, the children's charity. And uh, it's a great organization. They provide, I've seen this in real life, provide events with uh, sort of a safe and fun atmosphere, uh, specifically for children with disabilities. And one that they built many, many years ago out in uh, in Vancouver in uh, Stanley Park was a water park that was uh, made available for children in wheelchairs, so they could go through all of these water, water little, ex- what you might call them, you know, ex- experiences. And of course, they were soaking wet by the time they finished. So, these friends of ours, they they got the bright idea of going to the car wash, people. And they built something equivalent to a dry, you know, dryer when you come out with your car washed, and they, the child can wheel right through this thing and get totally dried off and came out, come out dry on the other end. So, brilliant! I thought that was I thought that was brilliant. terribly creative on their part. Absolutely.
0: So. Absolutely. Well, you know, given that you were on the show for 45 seasons, Bob, I mean, I, I'm sure every single show, every guest, every Muppet, every theme-based program, you know, it, it, what's not to love, what's not to learn, what's not to grow from. But, uh-huh. you know, if you take a look back in retrospect of your 45 seasons, are there any particular moments, guests, uh, highlighted subject matters that speak most near and dear to your heart that you would like to share with us?
1: Well, I think uh, not just for mine, but I think if you ask almost any cast member and probably a great deal of the audience, I've always felt that out of the 45 years we've done tons of specials and videos and all kinds of things. But the two shows that stand out in my mind was the Christmas show, uh, Christmas Eve on Sesame Street, which was beautifully written and a tremendous amount of humor and some very touching moments in there. Uh, One that I particularly am fond of, of course, was... With uh, Linda Bove who was from the Little Theatre of the Deaf, and uh, they, when they decided to hire her to be a regular on the show, she'd come in with a, a group of uh, a, a theater group who were all deaf and did a whole show in sign language and so forth. They asked me to uh, kind of learn how to do as much sign language as I could, so I had an intensive couple of month course down at NYU uh, to learn some sign language, and they paired. Uh, paired her uh, her up with me and uh, we did a song there called Keep Christmas With You which was beautifully written and I was singing and playing the piano but when I turned around uh, this was a Christmas kind of show uh, she had taught all the kids the song in sign language and that was my my Christmas present from all the kids that was a lovely show and I think the one that stands out in everybody's mind is the Goodbye Mr. Hooper show that nice. was that was a memorable show and one which was uh, almost impossible for us to get through. We rehearsed it for a couple of hours, just sort of dry with no emotions, and then finally, when we went to tape, uh, it was we barely got through it. Any of the emotions and tears and so forth that happened, none of that had anything to do with uh, acting. Those were all real.
0: Of and when we
1: finished that, when we finished that piece. John Stone, the director wanted to do a little short pickup. He said it was great, but and we started the pickup, and we got about a, a minute into it, and the thing just sort of fell apart, and he said, just forget it. We'll play the original. So that was one take only for that particular show, and that's, that's really worthwhile seeing it. It really helped kids understand the whole concept of death and dying.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, and I was just going to say, you know, for something like that where everybody's, you know, very openly expressing how they feel and it's just naturally pouring out of you, you know, there's mm-hmm. you no, know, we don't want to script that, you know, emotions aren't contrived. There is no second exactly. take when it comes to initial reaction. So I absolutely wholeheartedly concur with you, Bob, that that would be very educational, very enlightening uh, and very much important as an educational tool for children who are grappling Mm -hmm. or have never grappled but have heard or experienced other people they know who have been touched by death and loss and grief so absolutely, you know, one take is is all it is and and, absolutely, I mean that's that's just being human and I don't
1: know I may have mentioned this to you before but uh, Will was just an incredible person, he was a a wonderful actor he had actually was a teacher he had taught James Earl Jones and other folks like that uh, acting and we had the pleasure of rooming together for every every uh, moment that he was on the show before he passed away <clears throat> and uh, I was fortunate in being able to uh, go visit him at the hospital I think I think I was the only cast member that had the chance to do that and um I, I asked the nurse outside the door. I said, "How's Will doing?" And she said, "Well, uh, he's he's fine. He's all hooked up with everything. He can hardly talk because he's got tubes coming in and out of everything, everywhere." And uh, she said, "But he's not he's not urinating for us like we'd like to." Oh. And I said, "Oh, really?" So I went in and said, "I you know I wanted to be as leisured as possible." I said, "Hey, hey, Will, I understand you're not you're not taking a leak for the ladies," and so he. With, with his tubes in his mouth and everywhere, he sort of was, he went, oh, 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 and tried his best to laugh. And I said, I tell you what, I'll make you a promise. If, if you'll cooperate uh, with the ladies, you're the nurses here, uh, we'll dedicate tomorrow's show to you with the letter P. <laughs> and so, again, he almost fell out of bed laughing at that. So I went out and I said, well, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work, but you can give it a try. And she said, uh, "That's the first time and only time we've ever seen him smile, let alone attempt to, you know, do a belly laugh with all the tubes piled And but um, I was so thrilled that I had had the chance to go see him because he passed away that night. So I was kind of glad that he had one good laugh at least before he left us. So that was that was a moment I'll never ever forget. Of course, um, the whole the whole episode.
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing that story with myself and the listeners. I mean, that was obviously quite a, a touchstone moment for you, and as you mentioned, we'll never forget. Uh, now, for the the other life. big
1: thing that's happening in my own life right now, I have a lot of stuff happening, but uh, as you know, I, I did concerts all over North America and Hawaii and many place, other places in the world, in Japan and so forth. But uh, the ones I am enjoyed most of all were those with symphony orchestras. I think I managed to have the chance to perform with over 100 symphony orchestras over the 40 or 45 years. And in the course of putting those programs together, uh, people don't probably realize you just don't go out and buy a stock arrangement for a 70 or 80 piece orchestra. You have to have each one arranged and copied and, and an individual part for every musician in that orchestra. So I had a whole basement full of over well over a 100 symphonic arrangements. And when I decided about a year ago that it was time to kind of stop that, mainly for the traveling part because it took an enormous amount of time and it required a tremendous amount of energy. So I looked around and I just couldn't bring myself around to dumping it all in the back of a pickup dump truck, dumpster. And uh, so I looked around and I finally found a wonderful home for it. They're called the uh, Fleischer, uh, It's out in Philadelphia, and they're the world's largest free loan library. Have over I don't know a couple hundred thousand scores in music that they loan out free, and the only thing that the recipient has to pay for is the shipping back and forth. So I found them, and they were Beautiful. quite happy. They have thousands of adult, but they have very very few things that could be used for family concerts. And I just thought i was going to, I was gonna look for a rental library to do this and perhaps recoup some of the many, many thousands of dollars from paying for all this put together. But then I thought in the long haul, it makes it would be more gratifying just to know that there are uh, symphonies, whether they be a professional or or even college orchestras that they can do a program and include some or all of the music that I've been doing. and so we're in the process of putting all of that together, my daughters are helping me with that, and it's a very, very long process. But uh, Philadelphia, uh, down this where Fleischer, they've already sent a van up, and we've given them about 50 or 60 arrangements, and we have another 40 or 50 to go there. And then I had a lot of big band arrangements, and those are all going to a wonderful school on the south side of Chicago, And it's a music school for young children, many of them from inner cities that are learning to play instruments. And they do shows and concerts for people. So we're putting all of that band music together to ship out to them. So uh, be kind of gratifying to know that, you know, that it lives on in, in a sense.
0: Absolutely. Well, what I want to say, Bob, is, you know, what I love and appreciate about you, which I believe would resonate with anybody who's had the privilege to know you either in real life, face to face, having worked on set with you, or just being the recipient of your kindness through various things that you do and give to people, is, you know, at the crux of it all, everything you do embodies the spirit of children. You know, whether it be the particular Mm -hmm. charities that you're attached to, whether it be Sesame Street and 45, Years of great content and contribution, uh, whether it be, as you mentioned, you know, the musical material that, uh, you know, music, uh, instruments mm-hmm. that you've kindly donated in kind, knowing that obviously a good portion of the recipients are going to be children. Um, right. you know, so what is it about, what is it about you that has been able to hold on to your childlike spirit? Because not everybody can do that particularly the older we get, you know, people tend to get jaded, people tend to get pessimistic, and, and uh, you know, see things from a different viewpoint. What is it about hmm. you that's always managed to hold on to your childlike spirit, thus paying it forward and being service <laughs> to I, children specifically? I,
1: I, I've never really thought about that very much nor talked about it, quite frankly. It sounds a little self-serving to do that sort of thing, I think. Uh, well, um I guess the most honest answer is I had a I had an incredibly wonderful childhood growing up in the country in the farm in Illinois, and uh, there were a lot of tremendously generous and kind people that I saw. Growing up, my whole life, farmers helping one another when they were in dire stress. In fact, when I was being born, my brother, ten years older, was in and, and just barely surviving an ruptured appendix. So my poor dad was going from Visiting my mother, and my brother in another room, and me being born and so forth, and uh, oh. it was right at harvest time, and uh, we, he had a whole field full of oats that needed to be combined, shocked, and put together for combine for uh, you know harvesting later, and it was very worrisome for him. And he came home one night, and by the time he got to the gravel road and our property, he looked out. It was a kind of a bright moonlit night, and his farmers had come in and cut. Shocked and done the whole thing, and was, the, the work was all done. And I found, you know, that's, I found that same kind of spirit I, as I've worked with the telemiracle in Saskatoon, in Saskatchewan, rather, for also 35 years. And I found that country spirit to be similar there. And there are children, of course, all of these things that I've been doing with a variety or the telemiracles have all been for the benefit of children. And I think it's always been just hard, overwhelmingly shocking almost to realize that these kids who have these terrible, terrible difficulties in life, physical or mental, just are way beyond their own, way beyond their age in terms of maturity in knowing how to handle these problems. And it's been tremendously inspiring to be around all of those children and Having five children and eight grandchildren of my own, and unfortunately none of them have suffered any of those kind of problems, you come back from those weekends or four or five or six days just appreciating what life can be and how fortunate you are. And I don't know if you know the name of Harry Chapin, but he was a good friend of mine, a wonderful singer, songwriter. And he did did a great deal of work for the World Food Hunger. And I did a, a few benefits with and for him and i said harry man how many of these are you doing here and he said oh 80 to 100 these are benefits along with his full-time uh, touring wow. professional schedule and i said how do you manage to do that and he said well he said life has been good for me my fans have been incredibly wonderful for me and he said at one point i just decided you have to give back and that made kind of a strong impression on me because um when you get very very busy at certain times, it's tough to say yes to things that you know you really should be saying yes to. But I I started doing that a lot more. So and then I think I learned a great deal uh, working on Sesame Street. I kind of wish I'd had a little more experience there before I had our own five children, or at least most of them, because I think I probably <laughs> could have been a better parent to them all with uh, all the lessons that I learned at the show. Quite honestly, but little by little, you hope that 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 comes along but it's um there's never from my performing point of view you simply can't find a better audience um and they you always know when you're working the way you should if you're giving out a lot of energy you get that same amount of energy back from the audience and if you if you're not then you see them getting up and going to the bathroom and you know that you're not making it so um i've enjoyed that and i've I've had a tremendous time recording. I guess I have eight or nine CDs on the market right now with with my own label on it, and I have a new, just brand new distributor out down near Philadelphia, also called MVD, and they're doing a terrific job um, on helping to, uh, you know, make those known that they're available. And um, by the way, I, if anybody's interested in seeing some of my earlier. Parts of life in as young as three and four and five years old or going to first grade in, in a horse and buggy with my brother to a one room <laughs> schoolhouse. They can, they can check. I've got some of those on my website. It's just, um, Bob and mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of a fun website we put together a couple of years ago and updated it. So we're it's doing all that kind website. of. Do you have you seen it? Yeah. So,
0: oh yeah, um, two times. It's a great website.
1: Well, thank I you. And, uh, there's one one song that has really exploded which I one CD not one song is called Bob's Favorite Sing Along Songs that won the top parent choice award and uh it's kind of interesting how it came along we may have talked about it once before but perhaps we have some new listeners uh I did a lot of early childhood uh conferences for early childhood teachers and couple of them said to me on different occasions, we love you, we love your song, we love your music, but we'd love to have your songs without your voice, Bob. <laughs> okay. I can arrange that. And I said, thank you very much, and left. And then I started thinking about it, and went back, and I had an incredible band in Toronto, all studio musicians, that helped me out with several of my records. And I went back to listen to some of them, and they were just phenomenal musicians. And so I decided to do just that. So on this Favorite streets, Bob's favorite sing-along songs is called "We Have the Voice" on, and then right after we have the musical track alone. And what I'm hearing back from parents is that they love to put it in the car, and once the kids know the song, they jump over my voice and they just have the musical track there, of all these great musicians, and they have great fun singing along from kids anywhere from two and a half or three-year-olds on up to you know six, seven, eight, whatever. So I mean. that's. That was fun to put together.
0: and I bet. Uh, Well, I just want to touch upon something going back. You, When you answered my, my question and I, I mentioned about, you know, what is it that at the spirit and the core of who you are that, that tends to be focused primarily on children with all aspects mm-hmm. and all endeavors of your life? And what I want to say to what you said, when you mentioned that you are very grateful for the fact that you had a great childhood, I think uh-huh. that in my, my mind, because not everybody, including myself, had a great childhood. And I think why that really speaks to me, Bob, is because I think when people have Not had a great childhood. They so, they are more so perhaps inclined through choice to want to go the extra mile for other kids because in contrast, they know from their own personal life lessons what it is they Mm -hmm. would hope to be different for other children. But the fact that you had a great childhood and yet you still had the insight, you still had the compassion, you still had the empathy, you still had the calling. Uh, to do for children what a lot of people wouldn't do not having come from difficult, uh, background, adverse. Mm-hmm. So that really sticks out to me as being extra, extraordinary. So I just wanna, I wanna highlight that really speaks to me and I, I really believe mm-hmm. that you share with people, uh, things that resonate with you and that truly resonates with you and makes me think even more stellar of you.
1: Well, thank you very much. And as the, on the, on the, Humorous side—you—you you can't write jokes and material with the lines that kids come up with, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> especially when I was doing my live concerts all over, and I did many in Vancouver with the Vancouver Symphony, I think three or four concerts and, and one ever after a year holiday concerts mainly, and um, I usually do a meet greet. Sometimes right from the stage while I'm singing the song, the kids will rush down, you'll shake hands while you're singing. And one was, a couple of instances, one little boy, I was shaking hands right in the middle of one of my songs, and I leaned over and he had something clas- clasped in his hands. And so I opened my hand, and he, he dumped a whole handful of hot sweaty pennies in my hand. And <laughs> so I, said, I, I sort of nodded, thank you, while singing. But he was one of the kids in line, and I recognized, I said, well, thanks very much. He said, uh, I said, what, what was all the pennies for? And he said, with great seriousness, he said, well, Bob, I just didn't have time to go out and get your (laughs) presents. So so I was getting his cold, hard cash. And then you get reality checks. (laughs) A couple of times I made the mistake of kids saying, they'll say to me rather, uh, I see you on TV. And I'm always kind of curious. I said, oh, really? I said, do so I look the same? And you get a variety of answers. But on several occasions, a couple that I remember out in Vancouver at the same concert. They said this little boy about five, he was there with his sister. She was about seven. And he said, nope. And I said, I don't. I said, oh, how do I look different? And he said, well, up close you just don't look too good. <laughs> Okay, and, and and a little while later, I should have known better, but I asked another kid who said the same thing I see on TV. I said, "Oh, I'll How do I look different?" He said, "Well, your teeth are kind of yellow." <laughs> and his sister, who was who was two or three years older, knew that wasn't too cool for him to say to me, and she thought she was going to kind of make amends, and she said, "She said, well, oh, she said, oh, that's okay." When you're old, your teeth are supposed to be yellow. <laughs> I wanted to fall over in the aisle roll over laughing. So, and, and in the elevator at the Bayshore Hotel, I was going up to my room, and a family came in, a husband, mother, mother and father, and a couple of kids. And this one little boy was about four and a half or five, and he was dripping weight. And I said, you've been swimming? He said, yep. And I said, trying to be a little bit wiseacre, I said, was the water wet? and he said yep and then he said he said yep i peed in it <laughs> at which point his parents almost died they said <laughs> so they tried making amends but you know you can't you can't top those kind of that's that's the best comedy you, you, you can't write
0: well <laughs> yeah. i love it and if you want the truth if you want an honest opinion about something go ask a child
1: <laughs> oh absolutely yes <laughs> and,
0: that, they don't make it worse. There's no jaded filter there. You know, you ask an <laughs> honest question, you're going to get an honest answer. So be prepared.
1: Absolutely. One one of my other favorites, and I'll stop with this. this as many years ago, we have a place up in Maine that we love going to, and there was a, there was a little festival going on in the park, and this lady recognized me, and she had a little boy son next to her, about five or six years old, and she. She grabbed him. She got so excited. She had grown up with the show, and she was more thrilled than any kid ever. And she started shaking him by the shoulder. She said, look, it's Bob, it's Bob, it's Bob. And she said, go get your brother. So he took off to find his brother in the crowd and came back a couple minutes later. And she grabbed him, and he was was probably eight or nine. And she grabbed him by the shoulder and said, look, look, it's Bob, it's Bob. And he looked at her and looked at me and was just sort of, uninterested, almost disgusting look on his face, he said, Ma, he's on PBS. (laughs) It was like a death rattle to be on a public television as opposed to one of the commercial channels that were showing his favorite cartoons, I'm sure.
0: (laughs) Right.
1: So those are are memorable and wonderful wonderful memories.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing that with us. That's hilarious. Um, But, you know, so in terms of the transition, I mean, you're you're one of these people that always immerses themselves in activity and you're very progressive in your thinking and you're always got your hands in different pots helping other people. So, you know, there's nothing new with that. But in terms of having to adjust to the transition of no longer having Sesame Street as part of your daily annual life, and I know it's only been since mm-hmm. last year, um, how how has that shift been for you?
1: It's, uh, at the very, very first, it was it was difficult, to be honest, because of several reasons. It was such a close family, as I mentioned, association for 45 years. You really look forward to going to work every day. Uh, I feel sorry for people who don't really enjoy where they work, because we all loved getting up and going to work. It was exciting. You had to memorize scripts. You had to meet, you know, I met, had a chance to meet hundreds of incredibly famous people, and especially... As a musician, meeting those with Itzhak Perlman, Yo-Yo Ma, Lang Lang, Isaac Stern, on and on and on, and working with them and doing pieces with them, it was a, a privilege and a thrill and an honor to work with all of those wonderful uh, artists. So that I miss that, and I still do miss that. I mean, no one could possibly not miss it. But I'm glad that I had, that I came in at the beginning of the whole thing. When it was a brand new baby, and and everything was experimental and everybody was checking to see how it was going to work out and so forth, to have 45 years of that. Uh, and, you know, I'd never say it was okay because I've been there, done that. It's not that kind of a thing. But I, I felt totally fulfilled that I had had, you know, an opportunity that was totally unique and that you know, I, mostly, I, I didn't deserve it to have gotten that much uh, out of that, all of those years working with all those wonderful people—from the writers and the Muppets and Jim Henson and Frank Oz and on and on—and and, and I, at that point, felt I felt I—I think maybe it's time to slow down a little bit and take a few things off my plate so I can do some things that I wanted to do that we haven't really had time to do. Which is working. As a matter of fact, I've been threatening myself, and I've been asked a thousand times, "When are you going to write your memoirs?" And mm-hmm. that's on the top of several pages' list to do. And I've Absolutely. been I've been collecting notes and that kind of thing for several years. But as soon as I get all this music straightened out, we finish our move and take care of some things that have to be done right now, uh, business-wise mm-hmm. and musically. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely going to do that. And I'm trying to put together some focus. I mean, I. I will probably write it, but I I assume that I will have to have you know people to help me put it structured into an interesting book. I just don't want it to be all about me, me, me. I want to maybe include some of the humorous things and perhaps maybe without attempting to be any kind of a child psychiatrist or whatever to Uh give a few hints to maybe some of the kids that grew up with us who now have young children and say, oh, that might be something to think about just Mm -hmm. as... Working with Sesame Street gave me a lot of ideas how I should act when I go home to my own four or five kids you know and well, yeah well the obvious things when when they show you a picture you don't say what say you say oh that's interesting tell me about it but you know I've you know there's hundreds of things like that that you might be helpful hints, let's say
0: well, I'm looking forward to the memoirs. I mean, you've, as again, as I mentioned, you've got 45 years worth of phenomenal stories, funny stories, mm-hmm. educational stories, and you've been an intangible mentor and leader to many of us who grew up with you. Uh, so that would include myself and then my own children. So, you know, for mm-hmm. what you've done and for what you've given back, I mean, I mean, you've just got so many pages to fill. Bob, I think you're going to be writing those books forever. <laughs>
1: I'll either ride and brever, or never get to it, one of the two. I'm not sure which. But I've, I've been incredibly fortunate. Uh, the combination of good luck, fortune, and an enormous amount of hard, hard work. I had a wonderful teacher from Juilliard School of Music. Uh, even though I went to Manhattan, I studied with him privately. He was from Vienna, and he was incredibly musical and a great, great person. And when I got the sing-along, some of you have any Listeners old enough to remember Mitch Miller, sing along with Mitch there may be one or two left out there uh, I went in and I said boy am I lucky and he said why and I said because I just got this television show and it's going to be weekly and it's going to you know the pay will be good as nice income and he looked at me and said in his strong Viennese accent he said luck has very little to do with it and I said really and he said yes he said because if you hadn't prepared yourself and worked as hard as you have for all these years musically, he said there'd be 15 people, you know, waiting in line behind you to get that job. And I have thought about that a lot because uh, there is there is a certain amount of good fortune and luck and things happening at the right time. And that's just gone, I have a whole book just on those uh, you know, experiences of someone mentioning something and following it up and all of a sudden... Uh, it being true I, the one main I, I think I can do this in 13 seconds but not quite sure uh-huh. <coughs> and um, when I was uh, when I was in the army in Germany uh, and com- coming back to New York to get a masters at a Manhattan School of Music a friend of mine said do you, know anybody, do you know anyone in New York I said not a soul he said knock on my roommate's door and tell him to give you a drink I did that we had a nice talk and he said what are you doing I said I'm here to get a master's and need to look for a job, place to live. And he said, go across the street to Bishop Ferland, a paid choir a quartet there. Did to him, he said, yes, I'll hire you and I'll pay you double. Because it sounds like you need the money. I said, you know, I have anybody in your parish that might have a kid going off to college with a free room to rent, a room that's available to rent. And he said, no, but there's a private Catholic boys' school run by all lay faculty a half a block away right next to the Guggenheim Museum. This is right off. Fifth Avenue and, Fifth and 89th Street, kind of a nice part of town, and I went over and stumbled my way into inter- introducing myself to the headmaster, and he he uh, took about three seconds. He said, "You're really looking for a free sack, right?" And I said, "Well, you could say that." But he said, "What can you do? Can you lead a grand chant choir for kids?" I said, "No problem. but doing that since I was in third or fourth grade," and I told him I could do teach theory and music appreciation, all of some of my college courses. So he said, okay, fine. And he said, you you got the room. If you sweet talk the cook, you can get all you can eat as long as you're here. And all that was fine and dandy, but when I went in for the secretary to ask for permission to meet the headmaster, there was a, a woman and a lady there. And it turned out that that lady turned out to be my wife two years later. So.
0: Wow, I know that I got all those father. jobs
1: and but but I got a wife all on my first day in New York. Yay. I didn't know I was going to have the wife part. <laughs> but Bob, even Bob. without the wife, I called I called my parents and the farm. and said this New York thing is not all that hard. But uh, stuff has Bob. happened to me like that for my entire life. I'll tell you just a, a little quirk, and all of a sudden it's a change of direction in your life. You
0: know what? Bob, I'm going to have to – I'd love to invite you back even for like a part three because unfortunately, as you know, time always goes way too fast. Oh, yes, it's very fast. So I just want to say thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule. I want to personally thank you and thank you on behalf of millions of people who, you know, just can't thank you enough for everything that you have brought to our lives uh, to our hearts, to our minds, and just you're just a quality substance person. And I want to I want to wish you well with everything that you continue to do. I want to thank you again for all your contributions on the planet to various people, various charities and fundraisers. We love your books, we love your music, we we just love how you emit positive energy and how you choose to live your life. So thank you for everything. And I want to also thank the listening audience for once again taking time out of your schedule uh, to join us here. Yeah on living fearlessly with lisa mcdonald on the contact talk radio network as you know i go live every friday at 8 a.m pacific 11 o'clock eastern if you have any show topic ideas or wish to appear as a prospective guest on my show kindly reach out to me at lisamcdonaldauthor.com or alternatively you can reach me at lisamcdonald13 at gmail.com i want to wish everybody an absolute fantastic weekend and i would really encourage everybody to continue living fearlessly including you bob which you've already got down pat so well, thank you very much, everybody. Have a fantastic weekend and all my best. You've been listening to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. For more information about Lisa, go to her website, lisamcdonald.com.